This is teddiesmusic.com. I'm Leah Wilson and I'm here with my co-host Carolina Ramirez. I thought you weren't going to introduce me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can cut that out. It's all good. So you want me We're to do it? professionals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's cut out. Not it's not kid. live. Yeah. <laughs> well, hello and welcome for listening in. This is um, a very special edition of um, Desert Island Disc produced by Taze Music. Our guest here today is the new warden-elect, um, Mr. Chernside. I'm here with my co-host. Carolina. And yeah. I'm here with my co-host, Leah Wilson. Awesome. So, um, sir, how's it been? I heard you've been walking around a bit of the school today. That's right. Well, first of all, uh, Leo, Carolina, thank you so much for having me on Desert Island Discs for Teddy's Music. I'm really looking forward to talking with you for the next hour or so. Yeah. And yes, I have been. I have been around today. I've been in a series of meetings, some with governors, some with staff. Uh, my first pupils today yeah. um, started off with uh, with a group of upper six pupils uh, for breakfast, some others at lunchtime and some more some more after this. So I'm really enjoying getting <laughs> that, that first proper experience of the school. Um, so start off with our first question. Um, you grew up in Oxford. What do you most remember about this time? Do you have any particularly fond memories about Oxford? So yeah, I didn't. I didn't grow up in Oxford itself. My parents lived in Standlake, which is a, a village out near Whitney. And then when I was about four, we moved to Benson, which is halfway between Oxford and Henley. Memories of Oxford itself, um, which is where I first went to school. Beautiful buildings, terrible traffic. Um, I remember those things pretty clearly. Early memories from from childhood. My father was a huge car enthusiast, used to own 12 at one time. Oh, wow. So I remember him uh, tinkering with those and then gardening in the dark. He was an enthusiast outside. Oxford itself, one of my earliest memories actually is getting, getting our first dog. Uh, oh, I went oh. to the, Pre- the Crescent School on Norham Gardens. And I remember one, one day my brother and I came out from school and our parents were there in, a, in the grey Renault 5 that they had at the time. I remember it very clearly with this little dog in the back. That's one of my earliest <laughs> memories of being in Oxford in this, in this beautiful town. Awesome, those just sound particularly fond, actually. Um, for your first song, you've chosen Super Trooper by ABBA, one of my personal favourites as well. So why have you chosen this particular track? It's good to see, Leo, that like me, you're, you're not proud. So why have, I, why, have <laughs> I chosen, why have I chosen this one? So one, one of my earliest musical memories. So I remember very clearly my, my mother listening to this in the sitting room at home and my, my brother, and he, he won't thank me for saying this on a recording, but I remember him dancing <laughs> to it um, when, we were, when we were very young. Maybe he even still does sometimes. And the reason I've chosen it is, one, it's a very early musical memory. Um, and two, actually, it's, um, it's coming full circle. So um, our children, Mary, Mary and Lizzie, really love ABBA. They love Mamma Mia. So <laughs> ABBA has, has come back into our lives in a positive way. Um, so it's a track that has a long association for, for me and lots of happy memories. Aww. Awesome. Well, um, from that, Carolina, would you like to start us off with the first track? Shin every show was the 
Thank You. That was our first track, Super Trooper by ABBA. Certainly a song which it's very, very easy to dance along to. (laughs) (laughs) So for your early school days, you went to the Dragon. Did it leave any lasting impressions on you? Yeah, it it did. I made some really some really good memories at the Dragon. Some some very lasting. I was um, I was bowled out by my own mother in the parents and sons cricket match. First ball of the game. That that's the lasting <laughs> impression. Um, yeah, more seriously though, I had really good a really good time academically. So I discovered classics. I had some really amazing teachers in in Latin and Greek at the Dragon. Mr. Frith taught me taught me a huge amount and really instilled in me a love of a love of the classics. And that's probably one of the one of the defining features of my time at the Dragon. I took up sculling. Uh, and was on the Charwell in, in a playboat and then in the skull. And that obviously stayed with me. And I carried on rowing for a long time after the dragon. And there were some real characters there. Um, I remember we had a, a rugby coach, uh, Mr. Duff, who was a, also my math teacher. And he was, um, he was an enthusiast for maths and for crosswords. He was not an enthusiast for rugby. And, and neither were we particularly in that team. And, and we used to spend some of our coaching sessions walking around the university parks, talking about, talking about things, uh, not getting any better at rugby at all, but, uh, but really, really enjoying that. And as a, as a formative experience, it was, it was really good. So for the next track, you chose HMS Pinafore by Gilbert and Sullivan. Why particularly this track? So I've, I've chosen this track because it has an association for me with the dragon. So I haven't done very many auditions and I've never done a successful audition. And uh, this was this was um, the school musical. I think it was in my last year at, at the dragon and I auditioned unsuccessfully. And this was um, this was um, one of the things I had to sing in the audition. And I remember loving the music. I'm a bit disappointed not to get into the, yeah. into the show. But actually, one of the reasons I've chosen it is that I think the lyrics are really, are really instructive. So it's... Um, it's a story about getting on with unglamorous jobs, about not being too proud to roll your sleeves up and, and get on with the task you're asked to do, um, and about how you can, how you can get ahead and, and make progress through your working life just by, by getting on with the job. And I think that's a really powerful and positive message. The messaging in the second half of the song is a, is a bit more off key, uh, <laughs> but the first part, I think, has got something which is re- very relevant to, to all of us. Well, thank you, sir. And with that, let's listen to our second track. When I was a lad, I served a term as office boy to an attorney's firm. I cleaned the windows and I swept the floor and I polished up the handle of the big front door. Polished up that handle so carefully that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. Polished up the handle so carefully that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. As office boy, I made such a mark that they gave me the post of a junior clerk. I served the writs with a smile so bland, and I copied all the letters in a big round hand. I copied all the letters in a hand so free that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. Well, thank you. That was HMS Pinafore. Certainly not an easy song, actually, for a school audition for a prep school. That's actually there are parts of it that are very, very fast paced. Do you just go up there by yourself? It was in an audition room in the music in the music department, and um, and we had to sing a very short extract from it. It wasn't the hardest. Oh. It wasn't the hardest bit that they chose. It was, it was relatively more accessible. Um, with that, it actually leads us on quite to our next part. After you left the Dragon and your horrible trauma HMS pinafore behind <laughs> um you went to Eton what did you enjoy most about Eton was that do you find that different from the dragon yeah so in lots of ways yes 
So similar in that it was a very inspiring place in which to learn. So the buildings of Eton are a lot like the buildings of Teddy's. They're they're very inspiring. I mean, it is a place of of learning, and that was that was a big part of my Eton experience. And um, I made really great friendships when I was there, and that was partly through rowing, which was the thing that I invested most of my most of my time in outside outside academic work, but also in my boarding house. So I was in uh, I was in the Scholars Boarding House in college, and um, uh, with a really excellent group of people, um, and some of them have been, have, became, and still are friends for life. I was taught and inspired by really remarkable people. So there was Eric Anderson was the headmaster. He was a very, a very incredible leader for the school. But it wasn't just Eric as the as the headmaster of the school um, who made a big impact on me. There was um, there was Big Ladle the chef. That wasn't his real name. His name was uh, his name was Duncan, and he was um, he was a chef in the college kitchens, and uh, he was he was formative for us. He was um, he was full of wisdom, not all of it necessarily on message, but it was uh, but it was it was it was fun to be around people like that who really were committed to their work and they were inspiring in their different ways. And then, of course, I had I had really amazing teachers. So in David Coleman, who was the head of modern languages at the time, and Stephen Spur, who who was head of classics, um, I had people who really prompted me to pursue those subjects to university and actually that they had an influence on my on my choice of profession later on so yeah that was my my experience of Eton and um, I really loved it start to finish awesome it sounds like you clearly very very much enjoyed your time at Eton Um, for your track you've chosen um, clarinet concerto by Mozart why this particular one yeah so I played this um, for um, for a clarinet exam in my final year at school and Anybody who you know from September has the misfortune to be sitting near in a pew near mine in the in the chapel will realise very quickly I'm not a particularly musical person, but I really loved this music when I first heard it and I took up the clarinet and and this was on the on the syllabus for the music exams that I was taking and um, I thought to myself I'm going to play that so I practised and practised and practised and I persevered and eventually I played it and I passed the exam and and I one it's a beautiful piece of music but two I think back on that as a kind of a challenge well met. And uh, I, one of my regrets is that I didn't carry on playing the clarinet. So listening to things like this is about as close as I can as I can now get to it. Do you play any other musical instruments? Yeah, I, I played. Um, I did play the piano, and I I did play the organ. But um, I've given all of those things up. But actually, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a piano back in the house now. So Mary and Lizzie are, are, are beginning to play the piano, not taking lessons, but just um, just enjoying just the fun, fun of it. And um, I do have an ambition that I will take piano lessons at some point and and get back into it. But that that hasn't happened yet. Well, I'm sure that just seeing his in the, in the middle of the music school, I'm sure Mr. Tester has heard this. And is yeah. the music <laughs> well, I hope so, because I could do with a bit of a push in that direction. Okay, and um, with that, Carolina, can you please play off her oh, track? Of course. Thank you. That was um, Clarinet Concerto in A Major by Mozart. So after Eton, you went to university. Did you find that transition easy? Because I know Leo and I are 
on our transition right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big moment in anybody's life going from school to university. It's a very different type of landscape through which to navigate. So the answer to your question, yes and no. Uh, so academically, yes. So Eton, likes and Edwards is a lot like a university already. So it's a, it's a school in a, in a town um, on a big campus with a really strong culture of independence. Um, and that's true for Eton and it's true for, true for Teddy's. Yeah. Um, so in that context, it was relatively easy to go to university. It was a way of working that was very recognisable. Otherwise, socially, or yes and no. So yes, there were lots of other boys from Eton who went up to university with me, many of whom I knew really well. I took rowing uh, at university <laughs> as, a, as a thing, and I rowed for my college, and I rowed for the university later on in my, in my time there for the lightweight uh, rowing club. So I made lots of good friendships and, and lots of positive links through all of that. No, because actually university was much more of a diverse community than the one from which I came. So people from lots of different backgrounds, boys and girls together. It was a very different environment from the one that mm -hmm. I'd become used to at Eton. And I think that's that, as I think about, you know, about children leaving school now, leaving independent schools now, that's diversity of experience is really important. And I think back on my own experience in, in that context. So the answer to your question is, is uh, largely yes, uh, with that slight caveat that the greater range of people whom I met at university were, that was different from what yeah. I experienced at school. It's certainly very, very realistic advice there. <laughs> I think yeah. um, part of the privilege actually being at Teddy's is, though, though we are surrounded by all of its excellent facilities, it is hard to sometimes break out of the so-called Teddy's, Teddy's bubble. bubble. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a, a really a really important point. Very well made. That actually we need to keep keep our feet on the ground, and um, you know beyond Teddy's and the partnership work that, exactly. that's been developed in the school recently is going to be a big part of our focus in the next few years. That's that's a huge part of that. Awesome. Um, when you were at Oxford University, I know we've already touched on this, but what's some of the happiest memories that you have there? Is there anything specific that you look back on extremely fondly, just a little time or a day? Uh, it's rowing. Good, good question. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about rowing. Um, getting my results. Those are pretty good days at university. Oh, I yeah. worked I worked very hard at university and um, and I was lucky my effort uh, was repaid. So um, those were those were good days. Very clear memories. <laughs> very clear memories of all of that. When I was at university, I wasn't there for all five years of my degree. So I did classics and French. So I had um, three years at the university uh, studying and then I had a year abroad in France. And then I came back to Oxford to do my finals in my fifth year. And um, during my year abroad, I went to Paris and I, I lived and worked in Paris. I worked for, um, for Schroeder's, the investment bank. And um, they had a very glamorous office near the Champs-Élysées. And, um, and I lived in a flat uh, near the Avenue Kleber. And uh, that was a really amazing experience. Yeah. So I was, you know, 21 and I was living in Paris and I was independent. Incredible. There were some, some other people from university who I knew, knew really well there. And I met loads of other people who were doing similar types of work in the city. And that was a, that was a really great set of memories from, from my time at university. I was lucky, to, I was lucky to, have, to be able to make those. And then rowing was a thing. So, you know, um, early morning rowing on the, Radley, on the Radley Reach with the lightweight rowing club. Those, those were great memories. So not just the competition, but actually just the training and the camaraderie and the and the enjoyment of being on the river in the morning um, with people whom I really liked and, and was working with. That was uh, that was a good set of experiences at university, and that's the more general point about my time at university. I think this is true for lots of people that the best memories are just spending time with people yeah. people who are your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only are you sure you've made lots of the up six reconsider their career and degree choice. <laughs> The sound of a year actually sounds amazing now. But I'm sure the other rowers listening in are thinking, oh, hoping my university degree would be like that. Um, so does Oxford look the same to you? Are there any places you went to as an undergraduate which you've now 
scene when you've coming back to visiting us in Teddy's and you've looked and think, God, that's way different or that's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes, is the answer to that. It's very, it's very familiar. I mean, I guess, I guess Merton Street probably looks much the same now as it did in, um, in 1275. So there are some quite big points of continuity. Um, so it's a very familiar town to me. Uh, I really enjoyed coming back, actually. So when, we, when I moved away from Oxford, I enjoyed coming back. My parents lived for a long time not far away, uh, still in Benson. So this was a town that we visited, um, Zana and I, frequently. So I've kept in, kept in touch with it. The Lemon Tree, uh, topically, used to be a restaurant. Uh, oh, yeah. I had dinner there, dinner there many times um, back in the day. No, it's not. And, yeah. um, so I've, I've enjoyed strolling down memory, memory, lane, memory lane there a little bit. And... Um, and we went actually with um, with Mary and Lizzie to the Charwell Boathouse not long ago. So the the punting the punting was yeah. still off limits, but um, I have great memories of, of getting on the river there at prep school and and um, and when I was at university. So yeah, I've I've enjoyed getting back to some of those some of those places and hopefully more of them in the near future. Awesome. And um, for this track, you've chosen um, Cello Suite Number One. Why this particular Cello Suite? So I I decided that. Um, you probably didn't need to hear the soundtrack to my university years, so I've <laughs> taken that out of the of the mix. And um, this is um, this piece of cello music, and, and Mary's taken up the cello. And actually, I heard this I heard this played not long ago by um, by a boy at Harrow, and I thought it was utterly beautiful. And I've um, I've enjoyed listening to it ever since, and thinking and thinking about the cello and as an instrument on which you can do do a huge amount, yeah. even just with one sound by itself. For me, I think that's one of those tracks that you've heard before, but never know the name of. So, you know, now you know it's Cello Suite Number 1 by Bach. Um, so you finished university, you had a great time, and then you went into teaching. Uh, not quite. So I finished university and um, I was lucky. I was offered a job by Schroeder's. I was offered a job in London in corporate finance or London oh. in, in fund management. And I, I chose the fund management option and I worked there for five years. And I really enjoyed that. It was an amazing experience. I worked with really, really great people. I traveled a lot and had a, you know, I really saw, saw a lot of the world in those five years. When I left university, I thought about becoming a teacher. And I decided that, that I would do something different for a wider perspective. And as I went through my time at, at Schroeder's, I gained my qualifications and I, I managed my, my funds for a few years. And I decided that actually I wasn't going to do that forever because I didn't like it well enough. Uh, to mm. do it for the duration of my working life. And I, I wasn't doing it um, in a way that would lead me to retire at 40. So, uh, <laughs> so I decided that I would, I would go back to that original idea that I had to become a teacher. And, um, 
I think anybody who, um, when they're asked why they why they went to teaching, doesn't mention the long holidays. Probably isn't dealing. <laughs> probably isn't dealing totally straight. So. Um, the rhythm of the school year is 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 an attraction for people yeah. who work in schools, but actually the thing that that really made me commit to teaching was that it's a profession in which you know the more you put in, the more you get out. The more you invest of yourself in the people whom you teach and the and the people with whom you you work, the more rewarding it is. The better the outcomes for pupils and the and the the better the experience for everybody in a yeah. school community. And that that I think is very difficult to find that kind of return on personal investment across careers generally. And that for me is um, is a huge motivation in working in, in working in a school. That and and love of subject. So I love Latin and Greek and I love French and I enjoy sharing my enthusiasm for those subjects and for their literatures and their history and their and their culture with with other people. Uh, and those are the reasons why um, why I came into teaching. Very nice. That's a brutally honest answer. I mean, the holidays are good. <laughs> they are a good perk. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mention that in my interview with the governors, but uh, <laughs> but it is it is it was certainly a factor. Yeah. Did you start off teaching in the state sector and then moved it over into the independence? No. Sector? So I I looked for for uh, for jobs teaching classics, and classics is um is a you know relatively few schools teach classics, and re- mm. even fewer teach classics as a central part of their curriculum. So. Um, I was looking for a teaching cla- a job teaching classics, and um, and then a vacancy came up at Eton. And um, in thinking about transferring from the city to teaching, I'd got in touch with uh, Tony Little, who was then the headmaster at Eton, and um, with a man called Andrew Maynard, who was the the head of classics there. And um, they'd been really generous with their time, and they'd yeah. they'd spent some time talking with me about teaching classics and about working in schools and independent and the state sector, and and give me lots of good advice. And then. While I was then looking for other jobs in classics, a job came up there and they rang me and said, did I want to come back and talk about it? So I duly went back, I taught my lesson, I did my interviews and they gave me a job. So um, I ended up going straight straight back to Eton. Um, That's so you know, nice yeah. though. The wheel, the wheel turning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a full circle. <laughs> um, so for your fifth track, you chose a track by Nina Simone called In the Morning. Yeah, that's right. So this is a, this is a song that... Um, uh, Zana and I used to listen to a lot when when we were living in in London. We used to listen to it from time to time in uh, in the MGB that that I used to own uh, when we were uh, were on the road. And um, I think it's a really great song for describing where you are when you leave school. So the, the in the morning of your life, um, you know, in my life, it's um, it's not quite tea time, but it, it's definitely after lunch. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that I think this song um, reminds you of where you are. Uh, and reminds you to enjoy where you are and where you are in that in that journey. Sounds great. Let's listen. In the morning When the moon is at its rest You will find me At the time I love the best Watching rainbows Play on sunlight of water, ice cream, cold nights in the morning. Can't you imagine it? It's the morning of my life, yeah. In the daytime, I will meet you as before. You will find me waiting by the ocean floor, building castles in the shifting Understands in the morning is the morning of my life, is the morning of my life. 
Olam, that was In the Morning by Nina Simone. I think a particularly apt track considering that all of the up six are leaving lunchtime yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to be listening to this in a few weeks and thinking, oh God. Um, so coming back onto tellies, what made you want to apply to work at a co-ed school given your own career history only teaching at like an old boys school? Oh, that's a good, it's a good question. And you're, you're not the first person to, to ask oh. it. Um, <laughs> I guess it was having having children of our own that really crystallised my thinking on that. So making choices for where Mary and Lizzie will go to school made me think quite carefully about the type of school that I, Zana and I would want them to to go to. And one of the things that that we we did think is that um, Mary, who's that little bit older than Lizzie, has taken a huge amount from being in a school in which there are both boys and and girls together. And I think her experience that little bit older than Lizzie, but for both of them, their experience has been has been enhanced by by that balance in their school community. So that that probably is is more than anything what made me think really really carefully and positively about co-education. And the other thing, obviously, is that you know I, I read about education and think about it a lot. And the more I've read and thought about the single sex co-ed debate, the more I've come to the view that co-ed is the right choice. And you only have to read the papers and uh, look at the world around us to know that. Um, that diversity is important and good, and that we have quite a long way to go before our society is is properly equal. So whether it's Black Lives Matter or everyone's invited, you know, diversity is a big part of a, the solution to the problems that we that we have in society, and and the co-educational mix in schools is is part of that. So um, those are some of the reasons why why this this choice to come to Teddy's was um, was the right choice uh, for me. Great. And what other than the um, strong co-educational history, what else appealed to you about Teddy's? So the school has a, a great reputation. So um, so that that came across to me from from in different ways. So one from people with whom I currently work and have worked in the past, some of whom used to used to work at Teddy's. Uh, Michael Gray, who's director of studies at Harrow and going off to be headmaster of Hereford Cathedral School next year. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Pollitt used to teach economics at Teddy's, and they couldn't at any point have spoken more highly of their time here. They loved working for St Edward's. So there was there was that really positive report that drove the school's reputation in my mind. And then. <laughs> And then I know quite a few OSE, um, friends from my time at the Dragon and, and um, friends whom I've made over the years. And, um, and they, all, they also spoke really highly of their time at school and clearly really loved it. So that, that reputation the school has was, was one of the reasons. And I guess, um, I mean, it'd be wrong not to talk about location. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in leafy North Oxford? So yeah. that, no. that's also part of it. Um, you know, more seriously, though, I think um, innovation is part of Teddy's culture. There is always, it seems to me, looking at the recent history of the school, there's there's been there's always been something new in the last few years, and there are yeah. lots of things that are new right now. And a culture which is open to the new and celebrates new ideas and wants to take them forward and pursue them, develop them, develop them, and put them into practice for the benefit of pupils and staff. That's a good school. And then I guess the other the other things to think about are, um, are timing. So you know, schools have um, cycles in their history, and this is a brilliant moment in the history and development of St. Edward's. So, you know, these new buildings, the new curriculum, the new boarding houses. I don't think it's hard to think of a more exciting moment at which to join a school. Yeah. And this is this is a school where there is excellence everywhere. So whether that's in the classroom or on the playing fields, whether it's in the dance studio or in the theatre, there is excellence everywhere you look. And we're sitting here in the um, in the music school in this fabulous recording studio you couldn't ask for a better setup. Um, yeah, and, I guess, and I guess that, that, um, that celebration of excellence, that pursuit of excellence is a big, is a big part of it. Wow, that's a very ringing endorsement. <laughs> You'd expect nothing less from, from the next warden. From, from the, the next, next warden, exactly. I know, Caroline and I were looking at each other halfway through, almost don't want to leave. 
Um, so for this um, track to go with this question, you've chosen yeah. Brooke, um, Violin Concerto Number One. Why this particular track? So um, for two reasons, really. One is that we're sitting in in this amazing in this amazing music school, and I thought it would be good to have something. Um, virtuosic uh, <laughs> for the occasion but it's also the um was the first concert of classical music that i ever went to when i was little so it's a bit out of chronological Aww. sequence here but i went with my mother to the festival hall and listened to this uh, played by pincher zuckerman um and uh there was a packed auditorium and it was a really amazing experience of music could have played that as a rallying cry in your interview <laughs> with the governors. This is, why, this is how I'm going to weigh the school behind me. Um, so we mentioned before the Teddy's bubble and obviously breaking that Teddy's bubble. Um, we mentioned it with university, but you can also do that at school. Um, and community partnerships for Teddy's are also really important. And Harrow is at the edge of London. So there must have been a lot of opportunities to get the community and the school together involved in something. Can you tell us about a couple of initiatives, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So um, before I came over to Oxford today, I talked with uh, Tim Dalton, who's the director of Shaftesbury Enterprise at Harrow. Shaftesbury Enterprise is um, is the umbrella term for all of Harrow's partnership um, and philanthropic work. And um, it was created by a man called Jim Hawkins, who was the headmaster of Harrow, uh, who appointed me to originally in 2016. And um, he pulled together uh, things that were already going on in the school, and he really pushed them forward in a in a really clear direction. And I asked him before I came um, to tell me the the projects that that um, of which he's most proud uh, yeah. and which he thinks are making the most impact. And he cited a few things, and I'll just I'll just share them with you. And I think these are these are really um, great examples of school uh, an independent school working in partnership. So Harrow Virtual School is one, um, and that's for children who are in in care, and it provides academic support and co curricular opportunities. So you know online yoga. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, some you know, astronomy through the through the school observatory online and um, and uh, societies and lectures being made available to children outside the school. So there's there's one. Um, another big project uh, under Shaftesbury Enterprise is Spear Harrow. So Spear is an organisation which um, helps young people into work. So it, it tries to teach children, uh, young people, young adults, the the skills they need and the mindset they need to be successful in looking for looking for work. And a lot of that's a that's a huge part of the Shaftesbury yeah. program. Um, we run uh, at Harrow a language cafe for women who are learning who are learning English as a second language, and bringing them together to to learn with each other and to and to make to make new new friendships with each other. And um, there's a ceramics component to it, so it's the teaching <laughs> of languages and the learning of how to make how to make pottery. Um, and the last the last one that um, that I would I would pick out there is the Harrow Club, which was. Um, which was founded in 1883 by a former headmaster of Harrow and um, and a group of old Harrovians working together, and um, that's a youth club in West London, uh, not far from the Grenfell Tower, and it uh, it provides um, 
lots of facilities for, for young people, including access to laptops for online learning during the pandemic and um, a daytime program for children who've been who've been excluded for, from school for some reason. So it's um, that's an organization and, a, and, a, and an association which really does a lot of good in its local community. That's really fabulous. And obviously a part of the community is people you see all the time. So your friends, your neighbors, because they live right next to you. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, you see your family a lot. Can you tell us anything about your family? Uh, they would probably say that I don't see my family enough. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so um, Zana, my wife, she um, she works at the moment uh, at John Lyon School, which is uh, just down the road from Harrow. Uh, she does um, alumni relations for them. And before that, she worked in the uh, Home Office in London in the civil oh, wow. service. And that's um, that's where we met. We met in, in 2000 and, uh, 2002 on a skiing holiday. <laughs> um, and we have two daughters, as I said, Mary and Lizzie. Um, Mary, who's 10, and Lizzie, Lizzie, who is eight, who love everything. Um, <laughs> and actually, their, their, their enthusiasm for all that they do is um, is a constant source of, of inspiration for, for Zanna and for me. And then we have, um, we have uh, a black Labrador, uh, which Housemaster doesn't. And... Uh, <laughs> And, um, and her name is Sandy, which is an odd name for a black Labrador, uh, a non-negotiable name, and yeah. um, and a couple of guinea pigs, and that's the shape of our of our family Aww. life. And it's that um, uh, the four of us and and uh, that menagerie that will be that will be moving <laughs> moving to Oxford moving here uh, come the summer. Yes, because actually you'll be moving into the um, the central building, the historic wardens' rooms. Yeah, so that, that's a that's a two step process. So we're yeah. we're moving onto the Woodstock Road to begin with, okay. um, and then obviously there's the project to to expand Apsley to bring girls into yeah. the into the sixth form, and that building project is going to last for about a year. Um, and when it's finished, um, then Zanna and Mary and Lizzie and I are going to move from the Woodstock Road right into the into the heart of the school to be in the old in the old warden's house uh, above the warden's above the warden's room. So we'll be living living above the shop, so to speak. And I think that's going to be really good uh, for being at the heart of the community and really and really involved in it um, all the time. And that for me is is what big boarding schools are are all about. Or all what? Yeah. yeah, I can just imagine someone screaming, "Quad, the guinea pigs escaped!" And then just a light, a tiny guinea pig running oh, yeah. across. So they, they, yeah, the, one of the guinea pigs is currently has currently escaped. So that's, oh no, that's a topical, that's a topical <laughs> reference. I was more imagining the Apsley boys living right next to the wood. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, I think if I look back on on my time in on my time in teaching, I mean some of the. Some of the best professional and personal experiences were in the boarding house. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really great. It's a great job in a school to be yeah. to be running a boarding house. And I won't be doing that obviously because uh, absolutely has has a, an excellent HM. Uh, but at the same time, being being in the building is going to be it's going to be good to be going back to that. Okay. Um, so for your seventh track, you've chosen Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. Again, another winner after my own heart. Why this particular track <laughs> in, in relation to the question about your family? Yeah, so we're we're um, we're keen on holiday um, and we travel a lot. Took a sabbatical in 2013, um, and spent three months in um, in Greece and and Italy and um, and Switzerland and Germany, um, traveling through. And we've been discovering northern Spain lately in our um, in our VW camper. But um, uh, <laughs> despite that love of travel, we always love coming home. And this is this is a song that that makes me think of that.
that was um, Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. So I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but of course, over the past 10 years in um, Sydney, there's been very, very many exciting developments and still many exciting developments to come. As an absolute boy myself, I've been looking at the new plans <laughs> and I think that part of the school is going to be radically transformed. What are you most looking forward to over your potential career over St. Edwards? Uh, it's another good, another good question. So um, lots of different things. You know, some of them, yeah. some of them are about circumstance. I'm really looking forward to being back on the river. Um, that's going to be going to be something to to look forward to and for me to for me to really enjoy. Um, you know, more seriously though, I'm really looking forward to working with um, with the really excellent and committed people whom I've met. So I've met about three quarters or so of the people who work for Teddy's uh, since last since last summer, um, and I'm hoping to to fill the gaps and meet everybody yeah. by the time we get to the end of the academic year, end of end of June. And the level of commitment that I've seen in the people whom I've met has been has been phenomenal and really inspiring and really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to working with those with those great people when when I start in September, and. I'm looking forward to to meeting more of the pupils. So I've met my first upper sixth pupils today, but that's where my um, and and a few in the lower sixth. But I'm looking forward to meeting everybody, all of you who hopefully are, are listening, um, still listening, <laughs> and uh, and that's something that I really really am looking forward to. And I'm looking forward to carrying on the really great work that's been done in the last ten years by Stephen Jones and his team, because the school is going so clearly in the right direction and so quickly in the right direction that it's um, going to be a real pleasure for me to take it forward on the track that it's currently and so successfully on. Well, thank you for that. And for our final track, you've chosen Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. Why this particular track? Yeah, so um, I think this is um, a good song when you're talking and thinking about a school in which people make such great memories and have (laughs) such great experiences. So I think... um, School days are, are glory days, um, yeah. but, I, but I've always thought, and as I get older, I, I really think this, um, our best days are always ahead of us, all of us. Um, thank you, sir. Um, it's been truly great to have you on the show. I'm sure many of our viewers listening, I'm sure Caroline and I would definitely agree that actually it's been great to know you a lot more over the last hour and to hear a bit more about your history and actually what you plan to do with St. Edwards. But as in true Desert Island Discs fashion, we have one question left. <laughs> Go on. If you were on a desert island, yeah. what would be the one luxury item you'd have to have with you? So I would take a piano. Oh. Okay. Because I think that the days would pass quickly. And when I was eventually rescued, I'd be able to say that I'd spent my time really well. Mm, that's very nice. You yeah, can pick yeah. up the piano. Everything works. <laughs> yeah. And with that, this has been Desert Island Discs produced by Taze Music. Thank you, Warden Elect. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you, Leo. And, and we'll s- thank you, 
both of you very much indeed. <laughs>